Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put, your, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, brilliant. Rasman, thanks so much for reading the passage for us. Uh, thank you again for joining this lunchtime. And I'm not sure about you, but I am really looking forward to the fabulous combination of a great weather, the gradual opening of things again, and heading into the long weekend. Uh, thanks to Good Friday and to Easter Sunday. And Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I wonder what those holidays mean to you. And for our time today, we are going to consider whether one can really believe in the events of Easter. And I mean the real events of Easter, and not the one about chocolate bunnies or Easter egg hunts, but the real Easter, uh, the one that's grounded in history. Uh, the historical death and resurrection of Jesus in AD 33, a man who was nailed to a cross, died and was buried, and three days later, rose from the dead. And as a result, he, he claimed to be the Son of God, the King of the world. Uh, so can, can one really believe that those events happen? Well, I've been speaking to a few of my mates as I was preparing for this talk, and I received various responses from them. And I wonder whether you can identify with any of them. And one of them said, well, no, I can't believe, well, unless I have a personal encounter. I see, I don't think he meant, um, specifically meant seeing the resurrected Jesus in person. I mean, that might be quite scary. But he said he needed a personal encounter, or something that resonated with him in order to believe. And he observed that many of his Christian friends had those personal encounters when they believed. Well, another friend I spoke to was, was a bit more vague. Um, she said, well, yes, you can believe if you want to. And so I pressed her a bit more and I tried to get her to clarify what she meant and she went on to say, well, you should believe in something if it makes you happy or if it makes your life better. But I, I don't think you can believe that it actually happened. Well, is she, is she right? Uh, can one really believe that those events happen? And for the next bit, we are going to look at a sentence that John, um, a follower of Jesus, wrote to see if we can come to a satisfactory answer. And this is what he, he wrote. 
Now, Jesus did many signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may or can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, the book that John is speaking about is his eyewitness account of Jesus, a man he, whom he spent three years with, um, and he records what he saw for people to know that Easter was a historical event. That Jesus did die, did rise again, and so proved to be the Son of God. But why? Uh, why does John think that you should believe? And for our time together, we're going to spend um, exploring the three people who were there on the very first Easter. Uh, we have John himself. We have Mary. And lastly, we have Thomas. And the first reason that John gives us is that, well, we can believe because John, well, he saw the resurrected Jesus himself. He saw and believed and wrote it down. Uh, let me read for you what happened on that Easter morning. Both of them were running together, but the other, other disciple, that's John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in the place by itself. Then John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Well, what did John see? Uh, he saw the linen cloths that were once wrapped around Jesus' dead body, folded up in one corner. And it's, it's either that the, the grave robber had serious OCD or Jesus did rise from the dead. You see, John, he saw an empty tomb that Easter Sunday. But to put it beyond doubt, uh, Jesus, he appeared to John and other disciples in his resurrected form. And he stood among them and he let them see his hands and his side uh, the, that the Roman soldiers had pierced. See, John, he saw the resurrected Jesus in a resurrected form. And you see, being, being an eyewitness is really important. Uh, those of us who are regulars would know I'm, I'm quite an avid cyclist. Uh, back in January 2020, uh, we had a few rare, glorious days of sunshine. And I, I slipped on my lycra, I jumped onto my bicycle, and headed out to the nearest park. And 30 seconds after leaving my house, bang, a black car cut in front of me and I collided with it and I flew off my bike. And to add to my misery, as I lay there on the ground motionless, uh, the driver came out screaming abuses at me and accusing me. I, I made it to the hospital, but don't worry. I mean, apart from a few bruises, well, I was fine. And if you've ever been in an accident before, uh, you know how important eyewitnesses are. And so thankfully, there was a man who, who saw what happened, and he vouched for me when I filed the police report. But likewise, John is saying that he saw what happened. And so he is vouching for Jesus that he really did rise from the dead. You see, it's really important that the one making the claim is the one who saw what happened. 
but there's more. John, well, he is giving us more reason to believe. Well, he not only saw it happen, um, he recognized that what ha- what was happening was part of a, a much wider prophetic event. Uh, you might have noticed quite a strange statement when I was, I was reading just now. Let me put up the verse again. Uh, from verse 8. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. You see, by scripture, John is is referring to the collection of Jewish scriptures called the Old Testament, uh, written between 1,005 to 400 years prior. And in those writings, they, they predict that a future king would die and rise again. And so simply put, when, when John, he saw the empty tomb, he finally understood that, well, Jesus had fulfilled those ancient promises. See, the, the historical resurrection of Jesus is not an isolated event, but it's, a, it's part of the climax of predictions made hundreds of years ago. Uh, the equivalent of this is, um, think about someone in the 14th century, uh, maybe sitting in his castle, and he's writing about a man in, two, uh, in 2020. Uh, this man, uh, born in Singapore, went on to live in southeast London. And on the 3rd of January 2020, in the afternoon, uh, he would be leaving his home on his bicycle. And 30 seconds after leaving his home, he would bang, uh, he would hit a black car at the intersection of Evelyn and Watergate Street. I'd be taken to the hospital, but be fine, apart for, from some bruising. Well, if someone actually did that, um, that's not very nice of him. Uh, it did hurt quite badly. Well, it's a silly comparison, but you see the point that John is trying to make. What is happening here is not an isolated event. That is the climax of predictions made hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And if you think about it, well, this gives so much more weight to the events of Easter. You see, more than a man coming back to life, as amazing as that is, it fulfills the predictions that this man will be the son of God himself. As personally speaking, as a Christian, this really increases my confidence that the events of Easter were historical. John was there to see it happen. I do think people sometimes describe, uh, wrongly I might add, that belief in Jesus is, well, akin to a leap in the dark or for the less intellectually discerned. But you see, what we have here in John's book is history. Uh, The same way you believe in the Battle of Hastings or that in the Battle of Waterloo or that World War II happened, Uh, You don't choose to believe in those events because it makes you happy. Well, you believe in them because they happen. And eyewitnesses wrote about them. And it's it's also distinct from many of the world religions out there. Um, I have a Christian friend who um, grew up in a Hindu family who was really surprised uh, one Sunday when a friend invited him to church. When he flipped to the back of the Bible to see maps in the bible Um, and unlike hindu myths he realized that christianity was grounded in real events in a real geographical location and not myths history 
And so we can believe because John saw and believed and wrote it down. Uh, but okay, you might say um, it's easy for John to believe because he saw with his own eyes. Well, well, how about us? I mean, how about us who don't have a chance to see? And the next person we read about is, is most surprising. Um, we read about Mary. See, Mary, like John, um, she was also at the tomb, but she didn't go in and she thought that people had taken the body away. And let me read to you what happened to her. And say to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they had taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him. So if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Well, I wonder whether you found that quite odd. Uh, Mary, she, she looks at Jesus in, in the face as someone she knew for many years, and yet somehow she did not recognize him. You might say that, well, unlike John, she, she saw, but she did not believe. Well, what happened in order for her to believe? Uh, let me keep on reading. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he said these things, that he has said these things to her. You see that Mary's experience is most interesting because she only believes after hearing Jesus' voice. See, it's, it's his words that prompts her to recognize him, her hearing, not seeing. And you see her experience taps on a wider theme in John's book, now this, this theme of hearing and seeing. Uh, in the earlier chapters of John, we read of individuals who saw the miracles that Jesus did but, and seemed to believe on the surface, but upon hearing his words and his teachings, they often didn't like what they heard and, well, they, they end up turning away. And think about Jesus' enemies. Uh, did seeing Jesus do miracles convince them? No, rather, when they saw the miracles, they were jealous of him and so decided to kill him. And you see the point that John's trying to make, well, seeing doesn't guarantee believing. Or perhaps what you want to believe is more decisive. In fact, for, for John's enemies, well, seeing resulted in killing. And in fact, in John's, sorry, in Jesus' own teaching, he puts a premium on those who, who hears his words and believe, rather than those who saw. In the earlier chapter as well, John, he, he refers to himself as the good shepherd. And here's what he says about his followers. And my sheep hear my voice, and I call my sheep by name, and I lead them out. Again, he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, 
no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so only when Jesus calls out her name, Mary, does she recognize him. You see, Mary, she, she saw, but she didn't believe. But she only believed when she heard. And so perhaps uh, today you're someone hoping for a personal encounter. And this helps, doesn't it? I mean, in one sense, you, you don't need a visual personal encounter because, well, seeing doesn't guarantee believing. But in another sense, you, you do need a personal encounter, a one that hears him speaking. And John, well, he records the words of Jesus in his book for you to have that personal encounter with him. You might say we have heard Jesus' own voice as we read John's account of what happened. See, hearing these words by John is that personal encounter. Um, hearing these words are more than enough. Uh, John says these words are written so that you may believe. See, we, we can believe because Mary saw, but she only believed after she heard. Well, how about last character? Uh, and that leaves us with, with Thomas. And I think the big point that we will see of Thomas is that, well, he heard and he should have believed. And many of us, I'm sure we have heard the story of doubting Thomas. Um, his friends, including John, told him that, well, they saw Jesus rise in person. And what did Thomas reply? Well, unless I, I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of his nails and place my hand on his side, I will never believe. See, not just hearing and seeing, but also touching. And so should we sympathize with, with Thomas? Well, on face value, perhaps we might. Um, after all, dead people, they don't come back to life today. And well, dead people didn't come back to life back then. See, Thomas, he, he wanted more evidence to, in order to believe. But ultimately, there are many reasons why we shouldn't sympathize with him. I see Thomas, he has heard more than enough. See, he spent three years following Jesus himself. He saw his miracles, including Jesus raising a dead man. He heard his predictions about his death and predictions about his resurrection. And his trusted friends were, were telling, that they, telling him that they saw Jesus. I mean, imagine the scene. Mate, we saw Jesus. I mean, he's back. Like he said he would. It's him. Now, why will we lie? Why don't you believe us? See, it's, it's stubborn promise. Uh, he should have believed when he heard. And, and arguably, if we were in his position, uh, we would have believed. Well, Thomas heard and should have believed. Well, we started by asking, can one really believe in the events of Easter, uh, that Jesus died and rose again? Well, John, the author of this book says, yes, you, you can. Uh, you can believe because I saw it happen and recorded it for you. Uh, you can believe because hearing counts for more than seeing. And you can believe because Thomas himself, well, he should have believed. Uh, we find out later that Jesus in his kindness did appear to, to Thomas later, um, eight days later, when, when Thomas finally acknowledged him. And this is what Jesus said to him. Um, let me put it up on screen. 
I do believe because you have yet, you have seen me. Uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so John records Jesus' words in his book. And now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Oh, can, can one really believe in the events of Easter? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, you can. And so the question is, as we, we finish off, is this. Well, will you believe? See, John, he, he records this for, for your benefit. See, these are written that you, you may have life in his name. See, John, it's, he writes this in good faith. He does it in good faith. There's no hidden agenda. He's sincere. See, all the disciples of Jesus were persecuted and most were killed for sharing this message of life. And life in the fullest sense of the word. Life in the new creation where the brokenness that masks this world will be no more. A life with God, your creator. And the question is, will you believe? See, the death and resurrection of Jesus proves that he is the son of God, the Lord, the king of this world the one who is in charge. And John is saying, you have heard his voice. You have heard his voice. The question is, will you believe? Well, perhaps you are like Thomas and you, well, have, have heard this message before. You have had friends that you trust, providing compelling reasons for you to believe him. And so will you learn from Thomas and recognize that what you have heard is sufficient for you to believe. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So will you believe? Uh, you may have uh, more questions and there'll be time for questions after this. I hope that this has persuaded you that it is possible, if not necessary, to believe in the events of Easter. You have all you need in John's eyewitness account. And so what is at stake is not simply an acknowledgement of a historical event, but true life is on offer. Well, can one really believe in the events of Easter? John writes, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the question is, will you believe?